Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, a theft impacts the launch of Nissan's next generation kicks. Stellantis weighs an EV tie-up to expand in China. And a study gives the cheapest way to get a new car. We'll tell you how. Plus, automakers are making the move to USB-C in their vehicles. We'll hear why. The reason really comes down to, to a couple things, power and data. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Nissan has delayed the U.S. launch of the next generation Kicks after a theft of tooling from a supplier in Mexico. Production of the subcompact crossover will now start next June in Mexico. This is the second delay of the redesigned Kicks. It was originally scheduled to begin production in December. A person briefed on the matter said failure to pass crash safety tests set the schedule back a month and a half. Stellantis is considering a tie-up with a Chinese electric vehicle company as it seeks to bolster its presence in the world's biggest auto market. Bloomberg reports that the parent company of Ram, Jeep, and Peugeot has explored the possibility of working with Chinese EV makers. Stellantis is weighing options such as investing in a local EV firm and a business partnership that will help it grow in China. No final decisions have been made. Stellantis declined to comment. Tesla's German plant has lowered its production target amid slower output. That's according to a Business Insider report citing internal documents and anonymous sources. It says Tesla lowered the production target to 4,350 a week in July and August after reaching 5,000 a week in March, and Tesla plans to reduce it further. In March, the automaker posted on X, the site formerly known as Twitter, that it made 5,000 cars per week at the plant. Workers said this was a one-off, and average output since then has been much lower. Tesla did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Kia is discontinuing its Rio subcompact car. The company confirmed it will not return for the 2024 model year. The move follows the demise of its Hyundai counterpart, the Accent. It was discontinued after the 2022 model year. Americans are leaning towards larger, high-riding crossovers, light trucks, a category that includes minivans, crossovers, SUVs, and pickups, accounted for 79% of all new U.S. vehicle sales during the first half of this year. That trend has been reflected in Rio sales. Sales last year fell by 14% to just shy of 27000 And? Leasing an electric vehicle is the most affordable way to get a new car of any kind. That's according to a new study from a nonpartisan energy and environmental policy firm. It takes into account government EV incentives amid high interest rates, as well as fueling and maintenance savings. Energy Innovation released the study Wednesday. It said leasing an EV can save drivers more than $400 per month, compared with leasing a similar gasoline vehicle or buying an EV or combustion engine vehicle. 
Energy Innovation found that leasing the Tesla Model Y, for instance, is on average $425 less per month than leasing a gasoline-fueled BMW X4. And leasing the Kia Niro EV is $367 less per month than leasing the gasoline version of the Kia. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, that last item, uh, leasing an EV is actually cheaper. It's very interesting because we've talked on this show on and off air how the leasing market isn't what it used to be. Uh, do you think studies like this will get consumers back in the leasing space? Yeah, I think consumers need to think about leasing, especially if they're interested in getting an electric vehicle. I think the customer has always been there for the leases. It's the, you know, the automakers, the lenders, the dealers. They were not so interested when we had such short supply during the pandemic. The other big factor, which this uh, study is really honing in on, a lot of EVs now don't qualify for the $7,500 in federal support if you're buying the car. But if you're leasing, it's all there. So you can get the lease. You can be kind of protected on the back end. It's not quite as big of a commitment. And then, of course, you don't have to pay for gasoline. You don't have to pay for oil changes and all that. So pretty interesting proposition there. Good stuff. Coming up, we'll talk about the auto industry's slow but steady switch to USB-C connectors in vehicles. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. My team and I went to each car company separately. We sat down and we said, you know, what can you do? What you cannot do? How much time you need? How much it's gonna cost you? And that pay off big time. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but but we we don't. Spoiler alert, they come around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available wherever you get your podcasts starting September 11th. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Let's set aside EVs for a moment. There's another charging connector transition underway. This one affects far more vehicles and exponentially more consumers. And it's coming to an instrument panel and rear seat near you if it hasn't arrived already. The Universal Serial Bus A connector, that's the thin rectangular hole with the plastic tongue that's been part of automotive equipment since about 2006, is being replaced by the smaller, more efficient USB-C. The USB upgrade has been ongoing in the larger world since 2014, with computer, cell phone, and electronics manufacturers migrating steadily to the new standard. In the auto industry, the transition remains a work in progress. Automotive news reporter Larry Veliquette wrote about it for us at autonews.com. I reached him at his home office in Southeast Michigan. Larry Veliquette, welcome back to Daily Drive. It's great to be plugged back in here, Jamie. 
Oh my gosh, it's starting already. Larry, the pun meister, um, these, uh, so USBs, the little cables that charge our phones when we're in the car or even at home, um, they're, they're changing. What's, what's going on there? Yeah. So what's going on is that technology has moved on from the USB-A, which is the little rectangular box that we've had in our lives since 1995. And it's going to the USB-C which is what's come out, what came out in 2014 and is now spreading across technology. And of course, the auto industry, not one to miss a boat, seven years later is like, eh, maybe, we ought to, maybe we ought to get in on this. You know, I have to say, these, these, uh, those technologies got into my life a bit later than their inventions. Uh, I certainly did not have my first uh, uh, USB-connected cell phone or mobile phone uh, in 1995. No, no, I think, uh, I, I can't remember. I think it was 98 for me. It, it took that long. But uh, if you remember those of us of a certain age, we've been through this chord, chord progression before. I mean, we can, uh, I can certainly remember going into a store and you see the wall of cables uh, that they used to sell where, it, where every, every phone maker had their own proprietary charging cord. You remember that? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> and then uh, one year after my kids were old enough to have uh, the hand-me-down iPhones, I felt like such a hero at Christmas when I bought a whole like set of cables. So everybody had an extra one. <laughs> you know, that lasted at least a month before they started running out again. Yeah, before they broke them, right? Yeah, I broke them yeah. or lost them. You know. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. So we go to the C's. I mean, so now we're having these USB C's that are smaller, what's the value? What's the benefit? Why, do, why are they making us change? So the reason is uh, really comes down to, to a couple of things, power and data, right? Uh, and well, a, a third thing too is, is how they connect. If, let's start with the, the easy one, the connection. When you put in a USB-A, right? It has to go in a certain way. Uh, it only goes in that way and that's it. And if you can't get it in that way, it doesn't go in and, it, and your device doesn't function, right? USB-Cs, they go in either way, upside down, right side up, doesn't matter. Uh, the pins are the same. And speaking of the pins, that's the other reason is the power and the data. The power delivery through USB-C is such that we can it can deliver up to 240 watts of power. Compare that to a USB-A, which for the most part is 7.5 watts. And then in some instances can get up to 15. But for the most part, it's a 7.5 watts versus 240. Let's talk about data for a minute. I didn't want to jump ahead. On data, USB-C can deliver up to 80 gigabytes per second of data uh, in a stream. And USB-A was 10 gigabytes. So you're talking about exponentially more data, exponentially more power available. It's future-proofing at least the physical cable for uh, the foreseeable future. So everyone is switching over? Well, eventually. What's happened with automakers is that uh, as these devices have transitioned since 2014 when USB-C came out, devices have transitioned to USB-C, but the automakers still have a whole lot of customers that, are, that have USB-A devices, right? USB-A cords. And so what we've had is a split with among automakers on what they want to do and how aggressively they want to move to USB-C. 
they'll all get get there eventually. But a lot of them, including the Detroit Three, are hanging back a little bit, keeping a USB A port available for customers that that have that. My automakers, Toyota and Volkswagen, are moving pretty rapidly to all USB Cs, and uh, the the guy that I talked to in the story uh, from Toyota talked about how much cheaper it is, how much better it is, how much creativity it gives designers for what they can, how they deliver power within a vehicle like the Sienna, for example, where you got six, six seats and you got USB connectors all over the place. Uh, a designer and engineer can, can divvy up the power that's available and deliver only certain bits to, to certain seats. It gives them a lot more creativity. Uh, he talked to you about the cost savings, which he wouldn't detail, but he said they were significant. That's part of what Toyota does, right? When they make a change. And I go back to, gosh, my own uh, baby days as a reporter, when they stopped putting cassette decks in their cars at factory, they could go to uh, CD players, make those standard. When you're putting a CD player into every Toyota, I think they were like 7 million a year at that time, seven or eight, this was a long time ago, you get a lot of scale. And you can get a lot of purchasing power and get a, get really good prices. Plus, of course, when every vehicle has the same technology, the manufacturing, the assembly process is just more simple, predictable, regular, and efficient. They've got it down to a science. Volkswagen as well is, has moved over to all uh, USB-C. Part of this is, of course, in Europe, uh, is driven by Europe. It is interesting that the Detroit Three have kept both. It probably adds some complexity or, you know, surrenders some of that purchasing efficiency. But it seems like they really feel like it's going to make make the transition easier for their customers. Yeah, it's a, it's this is basically the plug in hybrid of <laughs> <laughs> the plug in hybrid strategy, right? <laughs> of us of usb connectors we're gonna right. we're gonna dip our toe in this new part so if you're if you're an early adopter hey you can use this uh but if you're not well you can still use your usb a and, and it'll work like you can and then the next time you go to buy a car hopefully your phone will have caught up by then and you'll be able to join us in the in the future yeah well and your your a cables will start to wear out and you'll just have to replace them with with something faster so here's the other thing, though. I think about, I mean, the the C, they're faster. They're sometimes really noticeably faster. It kind of depends how the rest of the, you know, system is set up. But I'm finding myself more often wanting to use the Bluetooth in the car so that it's just easier, especially we're in Michigan. I'm in Michigan where uh, they recently expanded the the law, the prohibition on texting while driving to really anything holding your phone, even at a stoplight. So, you know, if you're trying to use the nav system or, you know, play a podcast or something, you have to do it through the screen because that's not forbidden, <laughs> like holding your phone. So I've started using, you know, using the Bluetooth and some cars have pretty good inductive charging. Of course, usually it's only maybe one per vehicle and Sometimes you're with your family and need to charge more than one at a time. But do we see, is that, is that the end game of, of a wireless world or is, is USB-C going to be with us for a long time? Well, you know, that's the big question, right? It, and it's not just an automotive question. It's a technology question. If we can figure out a way to deliver electrons over the air over any distance, then I think we're going to have charging roads, right? <laughs> it makes, it makes uh, EVs a hell of a lot easier. But I think inside the interior of a car, you do. You have, you have limited real estate already. And inductive 
charging pads are that's a that's a big uh, space user, right? They're large, and they have to accommodate cell phone. You know, the largest cell phones in order to in order to get a connection. So you're talking about grabbing valuable real estate for inductive charging when you know the the size of a cable right now of a port is you know a half inch that you can stick uh, you know in a in a cubby and have it work. Well, and if you've got kids in the back seat who are trying to be entertained with, you know, an iPad or anything that that needs a charge, they're probably not going to be able to leave it setting in some inductive charger. They're going to need a cable so it can can move around. So I guess the cable business is going to be healthy for a while. For a while anyway. Yeah. <laughs> At least in the car, right? <laughs> and there's a there's a big difference. And what you're the other thing that I found out that I did not know uh during this adventure in reporting uh, is that the USB-C is actually going to start replacing a lot of other cables, including the HDMI cable because of its range and the amount of data it can deliver. We're not going to need HDMI cables. So maybe the, the uh, nest of cables that is now in my office uh, <laughs> can finally be weaned out. We'll see here we are with the, the auto industries a little ahead of the curve on technology adoption. Argument. <laughs> <Me>. <laughs> That's a big argument. <laughs> All right. Larry Veliquet, he covers Toyota and Volkswagen and pretty much the whole auto industry when he needs to. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode included reporting from our own Molly Boygon, Irvash Kakaria, and Carly Schaffner. You can get the latest news on product launches, automaker collaborations, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.